LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Today, I'm Derek Hanna. And I'm Scott Sanders. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel-centered ministry every week. Scott, it's the end of the school holidays for where you are. How was it? It was great. We did a staycation. So my wife got to go away and enjoy uh, beautiful, cheap hotels with my daughters. We we do sort of a 10-year-old, you know, go away when you're 10 years old, but with just catching up on... We've got an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old celebrating their 10-year-old birthdays with their mum over this last week. So they had a good time you know, down in Manly, enjoying a, uh, a beachside hotel. And I had the other three girls, which was a lot of fun. For those listening out of Sydney, Manly's in Sydney, uh, Northern Beaches, probably the worst rugby league team in history. <laughs> definitely um, the worst rugby league team in history. Definitely the worst oh, rugby league team Terrible, terrible. Anyway, well, listen, the one thing's brought to you thanks to Janu Push, the Australian Church Planting Network. We're also proudly part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network and we'd encourage you to check out our network page on iTunes, see all the other quality Christian podcasts that are available there. But for now, you have pressed play on another episode of The One Thing and this time we're looking at eight steps to leading change. Scott, why are we talking about leading change at the moment? Well, we've been going through a mass amount of, uh, of change. And so I think everyone's pulled out their, their change books. They've started to uh, remind themselves again of, I guess, Cotter's eight steps. And, and that's what Scott Curtis in the video talks about, the, the eight steps which have been around for a, a number of years, but are worthwhile just sort of dipping into and reminding yourself of, of again. I think we're also talking about change as well because we have gone through a, a, you know, a momentous period with this pandemic. And it's been worthwhile just sort of understanding grief and change and, and that's impact as well. And so even understanding, you know, that model of grief and change as well as Cotter's model, I think are really helpful as we help pastor people and help people think through what's been happening over the last few months. Okay, great. Well, we're going to hear the first few steps from Scott's video now. Let's take a listen. COVID's brought a lot of change. Uh, and as we move out of COVID, there's going to be a lot of change on our churches as well. And we thought it'd be a helpful tool to run through John Cotter's framework, his eight-step framework on leading change. The first step in John Cotter's framework of leading change is building a sense of urgency. Now, as Christians, we have an urgency because Jesus is going to return and we want to keep building that sense of urgency for evangelism in our churches but the reason you would build a sense of urgency for change in any organisation is to just create a level of stress that makes change productive. Now, with COVID coming in, we don't need to raise the temperature so much. People are already at a heightened level of stress. And so in this sense, we're not building a sense of urgency. It's already here. We want to be thinking about how we pass to the flock in this step by lowering the temperature and empathising with them where they're at. The second step in Cotter's framework for leading change is creating a guiding coalition. You don't want to move people through change on your own. And so we want to gather people, whether that's staff members or key leaders, to get them on board to guide the change through our church. There's not something we, we might have a tendency to do this as individuals, but we want to bring people into this process as we lead our whole church through change. 
The third step in the framework is develop a vision and strategy because we want to help people see where we're going and what it's going to be like. What are the goals that we have through this next season in the next two or three years? And then we want to plan that out for people of how we're going to do that. This is where the, the, the now, where, how tool is actually really helpful in thinking about how we can develop a vision and strategy. Uh, let's talk, first of all, about building a sense of urgency. Why start there? Well, I mean, he starts there because Cotter starts there. So, so there needs to be that burning platform. There needs to be uh, yeah, that, that, reason, that reason for change. Now, in, in this current situation, we haven't had to create that. The, the reason has been you know, forced upon us with this, uh, with this pandemic. But ordinarily in change situations, uh, you might often have to create it or at least communicate uh, the reason why. I, I think, I mean, I think this is, uh, you know, it, it's been, as, as some have said, easy, easy to come into this. It's going to be harder to come out of it. Now, as we've got more and more change, uh, it's going to be uh, really important to be really clear in our in our communication as to as to why there you know why that urgency is there and uh, and so I think over communicating you know being clear about the next steps for people is going to be really important because there are going to be a lot of surges and a lot of opportunities for urgency, uh, but you again need to be that calm, non-anxious presence uh, who's being really clear uh, communicating you know the why of of, of why we're making these decisions over the next few months. So that non-anxious presence phrase you used, and we've used that a, a couple of times, it's good to distinguish that from, from some sort of urgent panic here. It isn't an urgent panic. It's a deliberateness about raising the temperature, raising the water level on what's going on so people can see it. But it is non-anxious in that. So I think, yeah, and I think the Vine Project are helpful. They sort of have five phases, but they're helpful in, I guess, raising the importance of sort of sharpening your convictions. So again, you know, in that sense of urgency, this is a good opportunity to actually think through, well, why, you know, why do we exist as a church? What is the church? What is the importance of church? This is a really important time to be communicating those things. Uh, and, and I think in, in some senses, that's part of this, this uh, you know, sense of uh, urgency that, that needs to be built as we talk about the urgency of this time, you know, now more than ever, uh, you know, death and life and the reality of heaven and hell, uh, you know, need to be there in front of us as we're, as we're communicating. That's good. So the urgency there is focused as well on, on gospel convictions. It's not just uh, the, here, here are the five things which have bugged me about church over the last 10 years. <laughs> I'm going to use this as a lever to change these things. It's not about that. The sense of urgency has to be driven from gospel convictions about maturing saints, reaching the lost, more effectively being a witness uh, to those around us in order they might come to life and have eternal life. They're the things which drive, which have to drive the urgency. Yeah, and this is this is important. He talk, I mean, that second step is that he talks about is is building a guiding coalition. And you just talked about being, you know, being a witness, being a model. Um, I think it's really important as as a leader of a church to to set the example and to model, you know, model the change yourself. Um, now again, Vine, Vine Project talks about reforming your personal culture. I, I, the same idea. You, you need to be the one who, who models and, and leads this change uh, first. So in all, in all, you know, in all these sort of change projects, that, that needs to, uh, to definitely be coming out. Raina, Raina talks about becoming a voice, of, uh, a voice and a vision of hope. Uh, so again, that calm, non-anxious presence is really important. 
Yeah, that don't do it on your like they're creating a guiding coalition. The idea of not doing it on your own as well. Often leaders are going to see a whole bunch of things that other people aren't because their heads are in this. Um, this is their role, their job. This is what they have been called to, um, and they will see things that others don't. But you can't just forge your head on your own. Otherwise, you're going to look behind you in you know twelve months' time, and no one's following. And I think, and I think going into this, that was that was really the. What, what most leaders were doing. They were just getting on with it. You know, if I even reflect on my own sense, I just got in and just started doing uh, and didn't, you know, didn't think about the team, didn't think about bringing people on. In, in some sense, that was what was needed in that first round, you know, uh, at response. Go in, find, you know, find out the stuff, just get it done. But coming out of it, we're, we're exhausted, we're tired. Coming out of it, we need to be uh, leading as we want to lead, you know, for, as you say, for the next 12 to 18 months. We want to be leading with teams. And so... You need to be working hard to build that launch team. Uh, you need to be working hard to to pull the, the key stakeholders in. So it could be a leadership team, your parish council, but also those team leaders, uh, those change agents that you, you are going to need to communicate with and work through through uh, the whole church as well. So yeah, as as Scott says, don't do it on your own. But our you know every fiber in our body is going to be oh, okay. I'm going to be able to get it done better and faster if I just do it myself. Yep. And the last one you mentioned just in this section was developing a vision and a strategy. So it doesn't have to be absolutely brand new. No one's ever thought about it before, but it does need to be something which is clear and compelling, uh, catalytic, as Will Mancini likes to say. <laughs> uh, he's got some great phrases in there, but you've got to develop a vision and strategy uh, with that guiding coalition. Which is just have a plan. That's all. That sounds, it sounds, sounds more complex than it is, but have a plan. Um, it doesn't have to be the right plan. It doesn't have to be the plan that you're going to go with, but have something in place. So again, you can communicate that and, and help people know where they're going. Yeah. It can be helpful if it's the right plan, but you know, you've got to do something. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's see, let's see the next steps uh, from Scott Curtis. Take a listen. The fourth step in the framework is communicating the change vision. This is where a lot of people fail. They fail. They might come up with a vision, but they've failed to communicate the vision of change to multiple stakeholders within the church. So thinking about how will I communicate this differently to my staff and then differently to my key leaders and then differently to the whole church. But then what are the different ways or places that I could communicate this change and this vision? Through our small groups, through our preaching on Sundays, maybe through particular events and key moments in the life of the church where we want to communicate where we're going. The fifth step in the framework is empower broad-based action. We want to keep pushing responsibility down in our churches to empower others for works of service. We want to be handing over responsibility for our ministries and how we're going to implement change. And when there's a crisis and when there's lots of change and uncertainty, our tendency of leaders is going to be to get in and make all the decisions and do all the ministry But that's not who God has called us to be. He's called us to equip the saints for works of service. And so as we lead our people back out of COVID, we want to be thinking, how can I empower others to be doing this ministry and re-engaging church to be on God's mission? The sixth step in the framework is to then generate short-term wins. This is just the idea of how are we going to gather momentum as we head out of COVID? What are the things that we can celebrate and show people how great this is that we're heading in the right direction. Things to celebrate are going to be when we regather physically. We want to we want to really celebrate that moment where we get to to gather in physical presence as God's people all together. 
Or it could be that we celebrate the new people that have joined church over COVID or the new people that are joining a church or the new Christians, the people that have been become Christians through this change. So I want to think about how, as we lead people through this change, how we're going to generate those short-term wins to celebrate them with, with our church. All righty, three more he's given us. Uh, first one, communicating the change. So you've got, you, you've got your kind of step two is creating a guiding coalition. What's the difference between that one and communicating the change here? You know, you need to be thinking through how many people are going to be impacted and, uh, you know, by, you know, by a change. So it's changed service times, it's changed programming, it's changed teams, changed leadership. How, how do you communicate? It's not going to be as simple as just writing an email. It, you know, you are going to need to uh, empower a number of, you know, a number of people in order to, um, you know, to communicate that well. So there's going to be numbers of meetings. Uh, I think you're going to need to follow them up with email and, and social media blasts as well. And again, keep on thinking through how can you work through your key leaders in your church to uh, to communicate that to the to the wider body as well. So I think in this time, I think it has been really helpful to see church leaders, you know, jumping in front of the camera and doing that sort of five, you know, five to seven minute video, just saying, hey, here's where we're at at the moment. Let me just tell you how I'm feeling, how, you know, where we're going and, and what we're doing. And so communicate, communicate and, and be really clear. And it's drip feeding that vision as well. It's not just a, hey, I've got, you know, half an hour on Sunday from the pulpit to do it. Um, it is in drip feeding the conversation at every point from you, but also those that key those key stakeholders, getting them to do the same. Conversations, meetings you have, emails you have, videos, everything is just drip feeding uh, the vision that you're putting before people. Yeah, and I and I think I think in in the process of that. Uh, people are going to bubble up. You're going to actually uncover leaders at, at all levels across uh, across your church, and uh, and and they'll become the you know the vision communicators as well. So as as you are drip feeding, you know be 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 aware with sort of big ears to be able to listen because you you are you know you do want to enlist a, a volunteer army there um, as well. I I think in the context of these conversations as well, what what's going to surface is a whole bunch of uh, of people's issues, their concerns. Uh, and you and you need to deal with those uh, issues. Again, part of part of pastoring and leading your church is is going to be uh, acknowledging you know the reality of people's uh, situations, and that's that's what's going to be the concern in front of them. So you need to be uh, listening carefully, and then and then you know communicating a, a response uh, to those things. So again, I think in this time as well, it's really important to sort of uh, regularly say that you don't you know you don't know. I mean, just this last week. I feel like everything's you know cha- changed again with these outbreaks in in, in Melbourne and then uh, now the outbreaks in uh, in Western Sydney. What does that mean again for the next few months? We just we just don't know. Uh, and so, hopefully, saying we just don't know, but here's here's the plan. We're still planning on doing this. It might change, but this is what we're planning on doing. Yeah, and in that as well, recognizing not everyone's going to jump on board at the beginning. And that's not because they're necessarily opposed to it. That's just how you look at that kind of early adopter, the innovation adoption life, life cycle. You've got that 2.5% who will jump on anything, at anything, see the opportunities. You've got the people who will early adopt, and yeah, we'll give it a go, why not? There's a personality type that is prone towards that. But people will follow over time. If you're not everyone, and that's just the reality of change. Not everyone will always follow. But just because not everyone jumps on board at the start, it doesn't mean necessarily that everyone is opposed to it either. There's two uh, graphs I love pointing people to and talk about change management. Uh, one is the Kubler-Ross model. 
graph and it shows it kind of that shock denial frustration depression experiment decision integration it just shows that people go through that lifestyle like you you pitch something new people go that'll never work some people will do um you, you try and think oh it's not working they see it's working and then they come along with you and they're not everyone but the kubler ross model we'll put a link to that the other one is that one i just mentioned that uh, roger's diffusion of innovation uh, bell curve about early adopters and things like that. But anyway, we'll put those in the show notes. But keep going. Em- empowering broad-based action. Um, talk to us about that. Keep thinking through how you can build teams in this. And again, there's the opportunity, you know, to create, uh, you know, relaunch momentum. So to to before you meet again, pull aside people uh, in, you know, and, and almost call them call them a relaunch team. Uh, and, and again, I think this is the opportunity to not only re-engage your existing leadership base, but also to re-engage a whole bunch of other people as well. I, I think as well, I want right, to. He talks next about generating short-term wins. I think, um, I think I want to say, it, we don't need to push. You know, we don't need to push to quickly. You know, regather. I think, I think there is the opportunity to think through and restructure and realign and um, and to pause uh, in this time as well. That given given there are a number of people who aren't necessarily looking to jump back into uh, into church life, how can you use this time well um, uh, to again generate those short term wins? So it could be an online an online mission course that you've started running. You know, let that play out a few more weeks before you perhaps move back to physically gathering. So you can see the fruit of that. You know, I've I've heard of a number of churches that have already seen uh, you know people. Uh, make decisions for Christ on on those online 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 groups, or move into the second part of that uh, online group. And so, and and for often often a number of churches, it's the first time they've run it as well. So even just even just that is a win in and of itself. Hey, we've now started to run a uh, you know a uh, a new um, you know mission you know mission group uh, you know I guess inquirers group. So so both those things I think uh, you know you generate those short term wins. Look for them, communicate them. Uh, I think, I think as well the the big the the big question at the moment for me is just that fatigue question as well. So, what what does it look like um, to to celebrate the last few months? How how can you uh, identify um, identify some you know some great wins? You know, people are more regularly reading their Bible. Uh, you know, parents celebrating parents who have started uh, you know doing home devotions around the table with their kids. So so get some of those stories out there and start sharing them. They're all they've all I think been been real wins uh, that I'm hoping will continue to you know grow and uh, and and just become part of our ordinary ordinary practice. Yep, absolutely, and that's it. Get people on board. The people who might be skeptical, you show them the wins. All right. Uh, let's hit the end of Scott's uh, video uh, and the last two. Let's have a listen. The seventh step is then consolidating gains to be able to produce more change as needed. This is a kind of idea of ongoing refinement and sharpening the saw as we go. And as we move out of COVID, there's kind of going to be this tension that we have. We want to going to provide people stability and direction as we move out of COVID. But we want to do so in a way that still provides us with flexibility to tack and change as needed as we keep being on about God's mission as his people. Cotter's final step is then anchoring new approaches in the culture of the organization, so within our church. How are we going to make these changes, these positive changes, part of our shared behavior? We want to keep a shared language and continuity as we celebrate stories and maintain consistency and alignment and involvement for the, the changes that we've made. 
An example of this, we're going to be thinking about how we embed kind of online resources more into our training and also maybe kind of outreach as a church. So there's Cotter's eight steps for leading people through change. And there's some helpful steps in there for us to think about as we lead people out of COVID for our church. All right, uh, just very quickly as we wrap up here before we get to uh, the toolbox, two ones. First one, consolidate gains. What is that? What, uh, what's Scott saying there? Well, uh, basically he's saying you need to... Um, to start to put in place, uh, you know, I guess long-term, you know, long-term cultural uh, systems and processes that um, that ensure those short-term wins become, you know, become long long-term gains. Yep, that's excellent. Okay, uh, we're going to do the toolbox, and then I'm going to ask you one thing. But there's a few things in the toolbox. There um, is. It's quite a packed toolbox today. So why don't you go through the through the five things you've broken broken step and put five things in? So you you go through the five things. I reckon, Derek. There might, there might even be six if we get Six, lucky. okay. Um, well, look, the first thing uh, is the video from Scott Curtis uh, that you can see on the Relaunch Australia uh, website. Um, you'll be able to see it on the Reach Australia uh, website as well. But if you go to relaunchaustralia.com, you'll be able to see uh, Scott's video on change management uh, there. Uh, as we're talking about uh, Relaunch Australia, just two things to flag in that as well to help you keep thinking through how to navigate what is a really challenging environment for leaders. On 30th of July, 10 to 30, 10.30 to 12.30 Australian is the standard time. We've got another online conference um, that we'll be doing. So worth heading over and just checking out the details on that. Um, we're also just running a few webinars over the next four weeks, pushing into particular areas that leaders are grappling with at the moment. One of which is change management. Uh, so there's a webinar with Greg Lee, who's the senior pastor at Hunter Bible Church. That's on 27th of July. Um, so go to relaunchaustralia.com.au and check out the details there. Uh, be good to kind of, it'll be a, a Greg talking about change management um, in church, in leading that, but also taking Q&A, so worth heading over to that. A couple of other uh, things that we mentioned, obviously Cotter's eight steps. So we've got a link to a webpage just explaining his eight steps for leading change. The two other things that I mentioned as well, the Kubler-Ross model, um, think it's particularly thinking about grief, but uh, even in change, there is an, an element of grief, even if you change stuff in church. So it's helpful to see how people react to change in that. Helpful to have that framework in your head, Kubler-Ross model. And the last one is Roger's diffusion of innovation model, which you're probably familiar with, you've seen in some context. All that stuff's on the show notes. Go and grab it, have a look. But Scott, what's the one thing people need to hear about as they think through change management? Well, COVID gives us the opportunity to make positive change in our churches. So consult Cotter's eight-step framework uh, and think into where you're at on that process. All right, excellent. Well, if you'd like what you've heard today on the one thing we'd appreciate, just take a moment, rate the show on iTunes and even leave a comment. Anyway, thanks for joining us for another episode of The One Thing. I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Derek Hanna. Chat soon. A few months ago, we hosted the first relaunch conference with Andrew Hurd opening the Bible, Paul Harrington talking strategy and Greg Lee on pastoring through COVID. Having received so many requests for further input, we've decided to run a second online relaunch conference. 
This time round, we'll deal particularly with theological, pastoral and strategic thinking about relaunching your church out of COVID and how to set yourself up to be a healthy, evangelistic, multiplying church in 2021. So come join us July 30th, 10.30am to 12.30pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. Go to relaunchaustralia.com.au to register. And while you're there, be sure to take a look at the resource tab.